to the second episode of Lords of Order, the DC Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and this is a spoiler podcast, which typically uh, isn't going to play an issue with the show, but this particular episode it will, because the book for discussion this episode is Earth 2, issue number 9, which is only about two months old, maybe almost three. I decided that while I am reading Dr. Fate from the his origin, I will also read and talk about Dr. Fate from his origin in the New 52, simultaneously as these books come out. So, in that I only talk about an issue per show, should be pretty easy to squeeze those in there. The Dr. Fate podcast uh, is at gmail.com if you choose to send email. BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate, and that's DR, as is the email address, DR for Doctor, is uh, the Big Time Noise is the website. Lords of Order are on Facebook and Google+, and it is also available on Stitcher Radio, should you decide to stream through there. As I said, the book this time out is Earth 2, number 9, dated February 2013. The story is entitled The Tower of Fate Prologue, The Man Who Was Scared. This is written by James Robinson and penciled by Nicholas Scott, inked by Trevor Scott, and colored by Pete Pentezas and Alex Sinclair, with Carlos Mangual as letterer. Now The story opens in New Orleans, in just a little cabin out somewhere, you would assume near the swamp, I guess. A young, uh, looks like darkly skinned lady, African American perhaps, or perhaps uh, Middle Eastern, sitting on a table with a rather large pair of wings and working on a rocket launcher. And she's talking to a gentleman that she refers to as Khalid, so we can assume that he is somehow, whether American or not, is of Middle Eastern descent. And apparently this uh, young lady, who he goes on later to refer to as Kendra, and Khalid know each other, she's talking to him about the magic helm of Naboo, which uh, we see, oddly enough, here in the background, they have drawn what I assume is Kendra's helmet, because it certainly isn't Naboo's Dr. Fate helmet. Um, she's basically berating him for not getting involved in whatever is going on. Now, uh, let me stop here. A, a quick caveat. I have read all of Earth 2 up until this issue, issue 9. However, my subject for the podcast is Dr. Fate, so I'm going to be speaking as if the only reason I have read this particular issue is because it is the origin of Dr. Fate in the New 52. So I do know, as far as the story, a little bit more background than perhaps what I'm going to get into in the podcast because it's not pertinent to Dr. Fate. So they're discussing things here. Uh, we do have an image of a, of, of a figure in kind of a, a metal hallway here. A, looks like a, a dummy that has a Green Lantern t-shirt on. Oddly enough, they just placed that in here. Um, Kendra's little cabin here looks to be outfitted rather well. She has weapons uh, hanging about here in one half of the 
room, lots of tools, a fire extinguisher, and then she has a bookcase that is filled with bottles and jars and like some sort of ancient tome that is opened, uh, map rolls. I mean, it's a very mystical, archaic-looking bookshelf, and then modern weapons and tools. Interesting mix here that they're trying to portray. But anyways, Kendra's talking to Khalid, and Khalid is saying that he's afraid to do anything because the more that he does things, the more that the voice or spirit of Nabu takes him over, and he doesn't want that to happen. So apparently at this point, Khalid does have the helmet of fate, and whenever he puts it on, Nabu is in there as well and is trying to supplant Khalid's control. Also, we find out that since donning the helmet, Nabu is always now in Khalid's head, although in a much lesser form that Khalid is easily able to brush aside and do what he wants, but Nabu is can still be heard in Khalid's head. But Khalid is afraid to do anything because he's afraid that he will lose control of himself to Nabu. Kendra is pushing for him to do what is right, and that is to accept these powers because he now is a wonder, which is what this Earth calls its superheroes. And apparently it is at a time when there are very few wonders present. So any that are present are very necessary to fight this coming evil that is being spoken of at the inception of each of the wonders creation by whomever is responsible for their creation that the power they are getting is going to be needed to fight a great evil kendra apparently has uh, encountered this prophecy as well because she is using it uh, attempting to use it anyways as leverage against khalid so they continue talking we see a reference to Jay Garrick. Apparently he is home visiting his mother briefly before he leaves her permanently. Jay Garrick is this world's flash, we will find out. Basically the conversation ends with Kendra telling Khalid, look, I can't tell you what to do, I can't make you do anything, but you know what is right and you know what you should do. She's trying to get him to go to Wisconsin now and keep an eye on Jay. At the end of the conversation, she fires this rocket launcher she's been tinkering with at the mannequin with the green arrow, uh, excuse me, green lantern t-shirt on, blowing it up. Earlier, she makes a reference of how, see if I can find that, especially with that arrogant ass Alan Scott acting all better than anyone. Now, as a one-off in the book, this doesn't make any sense, but it does explain perhaps this animosity she has in that she is shooting a rocket launcher at the Green Lantern figure she has set up here. Now, does that mean that she wants to kill him? She's just lashing out. What is the relationship between them? We don't know in this issue. There's no way of knowing what, what the problem is. We cut to a downtown somewhere with lots of billboards. I'm sorry, it's not somewhere. It's in Lansing, Michigan. Khalid is walking and... No, not Khalid. Jay Garrick is walking. And as he's walking through town, several beer billboards and screens 
are showing snippets of recent battles that have occurred in Earth 2 uh, pages from other comics. Jake continues on until he uh, gets to his mom's house. We see that Khalid has indeed followed him. He is there. Khalid is talking with Nabu back and forth. Khalid in word bubbles, Nabu in uh, looks like narrator bubbles in the picture. So Jay does meet up with his mom. It's been a long time. She's worried, doing the typical, where are you, where have you been? He's coming back with the typical, I'm fine. But, you know, he really doesn't want to tell her anymore because he is now the Flash. And the Flash has run into some issues with the World Army, which is the preeminent military force of this world. So they go back and forth for several panels. Uh, you should come home. You should let me know what you're doing. No, Mom, it's better for your protection if I don't. Back and forth, back and forth. And she starts telling him about a man that recently visited. And she describes the man, and he realizes that it's someone affiliated with the One World Army, and that because of that presence, the house is probably being watched. And as soon as he figures that out, the house is indeed attacked. Uh, the people responsible for the attack looking to gather him, take them, uh, take him, and convert him into being one of their forces, one of their wonders, of which they supposedly have several. But again, wonders are a very um, hot commodity in this world. Not very many exist. So one of the One World Army's wonders is here. He's called the Atom. He can grow, and he has this big, nicely glowing hand. I'm not sure what that signifies, really. And also, the main female field leader of the One World is here also with many ground troops. So as they the attack commences... Jay converts to his uniform and starts attacking all the different soldiers. Also, after dispatching the various ground troop soldiers, he starts messing with the giant Adam who is here. In the background now, we see two people watching, one from farther back who is Khalid, but he sees a gentleman in a top hat and a trench coat wearing a gas mask who, as he's watching, disappears and reappears behind Jay Garrick's mother um, taking her hostage. He is the leader of a group... Well, actually, I'm sorry, that doesn't come out in this issue. So, He is also with the World One, One World Forces. Uh, so he tells Jay to stop because he has her mother, his mother captive. Jay does stop and is subdued by the female leader of the troops. I'm sorry, I don't have... Ah, Sonia Sato. That's her name. So Sato kicks him, knocks him out. Everything is kind of at a standstill here. Khalid sees that he needs to do something to break this stalemate, so he runs up with a large piece of lumber from where they tore through the house and smacks uh, Dodds, which is this, this is Wesley Dodds, who has 
snuck up behind Jay Garrick's mother, smacks Dodds in the head with a piece of lumber, stunning him. Jay quickly picks up his mother and Khalid and runs out of there. As they're running, they're being pursued by the Atom and the One World ground troops. In the midst of this flash, his mother and Khalid disappear. Next up, we see them in a very uh, dystopic kind of place, very barren, rocky, dead trees kind of thing. And the uh, transport wasn't very physically nice to any of them. They're all suffering from being sick and, and whatnot. Jay and his mother, you know, oh, baby, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Are you okay, Mom? You know, back and forth kind of blah stuff. Meanwhile, Khalid realizes where they are, and he's trying to tell them without telling them. But he does tell them that his name is Khalid ben Hassan, and that he's a colleague of Hawk Girl. So we find out that Hawk Girl is the winged female we saw at the beginning of the book. We also know that her name is Kendra. And he says that uh, at the same time she got her wings, he got magical powers that were granted by the greatest Egyptian mage who ever lived. In the midst of his explanation, he's interrupted, and on the next page, we see that he's interrupted by a gentleman dressed in black with a um, red inside, black outside cloak and a red sash. Looks like he's got some sort of fur pelts over his shoulders, a high-cowled cape, long black flowing hair, and a greenish kind of pallor. I would assume magic emanating from both of his hands as he's levitating. Khalid says that this is Nabu's realm, and this floating person that interrupted confirms that it is indeed, and he says, I am Wotan, the mage of an organization that seeks to augment its control of magic in the world by obtaining the power of Nabu's that you consign to the tower yonder, that only you can enter. So, not only has Khalid been here, Nabu's realm before, he's been in this tower and has hidden something in this tower that Wotan now wants. And thus ends that particular issue. Now, there are a lot of things that pop up as far as the Earth 2 world in this issue that are not explained in the book. You would have to read the other, the previous nine issues eight numbered issues and a zero issue. But as far as Dr. Fate's appearance, some interesting things in my mind come out. We do see that Khalid and Kendra have um, conversed before, at the very least. We see that at the same time that Kendra got her wings, Khalid was exposed to whatever that gave him the ability to access Nabu. There's also a reference in here that I, I failed to mention that comes to mind. Um, Wotan, I believe it's Wotan, refers to Hawk Girl as associated with Horus. Horus is a falcon sky god from the Egyptian pantheon 
Nabu is the greatest of the Egyptian mages that have ever lived. So perhaps there is a behind-the-scenes connection between Hawk Girl and what is Khalid, who is hopefully going to be Dr. Fate, in that they are connected to the same pantheon of gods, but we don't know that. We also don't know, is Hawk Girl directly aware of any connection she may have to Horus? Or is Wotan's reference, I'm sorry, it wasn't Wotan, it was Nabu. Nabu in talking with Khalid. Does Nabu just believe by physical appearance because she's winged that she is connected to Horus, or does he have more information? So that has not been addressed at all anywhere. Uh, potentially it's an, and it's, it's an interesting connection between this world's hot girl and Dr. Fate. Okay, that's um, nothing else really comes to mind about this issue. Again, it, it's, I guess, complete enough as far as the start of Dr. Fate's origin. Uh, he, it continues in issue 10, but Dr. Fate doesn't appear as Dr. Fate, whomever it will be, assuming it's going to be Khalid, until issue 11, which should come out this month, April. So, there we go, guys. Um, thanks a lot for listening in. Don't really have any news or anything of uh, Dr. Fate nature to pass on to you. Hopefully this has been entertaining enough for you to listen to for 15-20 minutes and come back next episode where hopefully I will talk about more fun comics 56 dated June 1940. Talk to you then guys. Lords of Order is a teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.